0: Hey everyone, Matt Waldron here from Level Next Leadership. Thanks for tuning in to On The Pulse. This podcast is the overflow of my own life and looks at practical strategies, insights, models, and tactics to help you lead yourself well and live purpose congruent. My hope is you can get access to some personal breakthroughs, build that great life of yours, and be a gift to the world. Thanks for your time today. Well, welcome back, everyone. Thank you for turning up to part two of Trust Yourself to Trust Others. In part one, if you haven't listened to that, go back and hear that because we talked about what it means, what a person who trusts themselves kind of looks like, what what us a lot of the symptoms of a dysfunctional, unhealthy dynamic relationships, and we started to look at at the you know seven points that I've got here around what I've learned about setting up a life of trusting myself first so that I can trust other people second. And the point number one, where there was relationships are a life currency. Point number two was, you know, get your expectations into reality about your relationships with people. Number three was, um, you know, discerning and verifying instead of judging. And today we're looking at point number four, which is do the maths in your relationships. So what do I mean by this? Uh, sometimes I think relationships are a bit of a mathematical equation. What I mean by that is, you can ask yourself in any relationship you're in, am I a plus and adding value? Or am I a minus, am I taking away? Am I a divider, gossiping, You know, being deceptive? Or am I multiplying that relationship and multiplying the good things? And these mathematical equations can work for both positive things and negative things as well. And so I think it's a really good thing to ask yourself and to do the maths in your relationship and say, am I being a gift to that person or these people that I'm in a relationship with? Or am I being problematic? And so again, I always talk about... um, doing the personal adult development improvement work, the becoming work, because the more we do this, the more we can add value, the more, and and in this, this relationship mathematical dynamic, sometimes we do have to take away, we have to subtract certain people out of our lives. Sometimes we have to add new people to our lives, mentors, and sometimes we have to divide and go in a different direction because our paths are not walking the same way. Sometimes we need to multiply. Other times, other times, you know, in life, we, we sort of join a group and suddenly we, we've multiplied our relationships. And other times we can do the same thing by inviting some, some individual person into a group. It multiplies suddenly their connections with other people. So am I adding, subtracting, dividing, or multiplying in my relationships with my words and my conduct? So the simple question to you is, do I... Do you, do I add, subtract, divide, and or multiply in in the relationships with our words and actions and conduct? It's really simple. Point number five, solve the right problem. Is it really them who is not trustworthy or is it actually me? Again, do I need to pull over and, and do some personal work? People who are hurt, disappointed, and disillusioned in their relationships all the time have set up their relationship dynamics incorrectly. Their starting point, expectations, and approach to relationships appears to not be getting the results that they want. If the results we are getting in our relationships are not what we want, we have to reverse engineer things to go back to our our approach, our beliefs, our processes. Uh, Point number six is to raise your standards for relationships if you want things to change. Start by getting clearer about what you really want in your relationships whatever that relationship is uh, a partnership uh, your parents colleagues whatever it might be but the cool thing about this is that you have the opportunity to get clarity see a lot of people again walk around with a lot of vagary around things and they have a standard in their relationships and that standard may be quite low they may tolerate a lot of garbage and a lot of rubbish, and. Um, you know, for me, I have quite high standards in my relationships. I, there's things that I will tolerate and just let go through to the keeper and there's things I'll just let go and things I'll forgive automatically. But there's a lot of things that actually are deal breakers to me and I know what those things are. And so I would rather walk alone for a period of time than compromising with low quality relationships, you know. When we decide to be on autopilot in life, we have set a standard. You see, we are the ones who create the lid for our wellness, our our relationship quality, the success, the fulfillment in our place. The good news is that we can lift it higher. To set a higher standard for yourself does not mean you are ungrateful, but the exact opposite. To be honorable in life and to yourself means we tremendously value what we have been given. The gift of life is not to be treated lightly, but to be nurtured, invested, and given back to the world in a unique, positive form, to show up as an interesting and person, you know, adds value to other people and generates and helps them to become interesting people as well. What happens if we decide something is absolutely a must in our lives? It means we have raised our standards and drawn a line in the sand that we are not going to live at that uninteresting, unhealthy level in our relationships anymore. We are not going to be Attached and investing in relationships and projects and events that take away our energy and dull, dull our senses, cause us to feel obligated and expected. None of those things. What happens when we cut off any of these possibilities? We decide that we are not going to be boring, dispassionate, automatic people anymore. And this is what Tony Robbins says about this. When, we raise, when you raise your standards and turn shoulds into musts, we are making our inner shift to take control over the quality of, of your life. Any area you are not getting what you want is because you haven't raised your standards. That's Tony Robbins. So this works for relationships, right? Um, you got to get clear about that stuff. The sixth one is about owning our power. And this is a really important one. When we're giving our power away to other people, you know that just betrays ourselves, and we start to not trust our ability to be able to bounce back, or have boundaries, or say what we need to say, or remove ourselves from the situation, or, or, or whatever's going on. And so, it's a big topic in itself. So what I'm going to do here is I'm just going to read something from uh, Melody Beattie's book, The Language of Letting Go, and it's a recovery-focused book which is quite awesome when it comes to owning our power. And it's on page 230. It's called Owning Our Power. Many of us have someone in our lives who challenges our ability to trust and care for ourselves. When we hear that person's voice or are in his or her presence, we may forget all we know about what is real, about how to own our own power, about how to be direct, about what we know and believe to be true, about how important we are. We give up our power to that person. The child in us gets hooked in a mixture of powerful feelings, love, fear or anger. We may feel trapped and helpless or so attracted that we can't think straight. That There may be a powerful tug-of-war between our feelings of anger and our needs to be loved and accepted or between our head and our heart. We may be so intimidated that we revert to our belief that we can't react or respond to this person any differently than we have we get hooked. We don't have to stay under a spell. We, st- we start by becoming aware of the people who hook us and then accept that. So you and I know when we give our power away because we can feel that insecurity rising up. We can feel the other person getting inflated in our lives. We start to live, lose our sense of reality, our sense of value, all those things begin to happen. So we give our power away, which means we can be self aware, know when it's starting to happen and put in place some things that, that just push pause on that and bring us back to where we're meant to be. Point number seven is what I call the relationship dynamic triad, which is, if you imagine like a stool, you have connection one, one leg, you have protection, another leg and you have investment. And on those three legs, you know, a great relationship can sit on, on those three ideas. So this part of connection, protection and investment, this is what I think about when I talk about setting functional boundaries. I think about these three concepts in one. A lot of teaching out there around personal professional boundaries. It often will start with the protection piece. You know, you've got to guard, you've got to protect. you to. And it creates a really weird thing. I see these three dynamics playing at the same time because for me, when I meet someone, I want to find the closest point of healthy connection I can have with that person. So it's like your finances. You know, a lot of people approach their finances with, oh man, you know, we're struggling in our finances. And the first thing they do is they go to their budget and cull the budget. Well, that I think that's a, a backward step. What you would need to do is just say to yourself, right, when you look at your budget, you need to say, I need to earn more income. If I earn more income, that means I don't have to change the budget at all. So it's a little bit like that with me. I start with connection rather than protection, but they're all a package deal. It's not one or the other. It's about connection, protection, and investment. So let me talk about connection here. There is a lot to say about the idea and concept involved in being connected to another person. Some are obvious and some are less obvious. When it comes to relationships, connections have a lot to do with the idea of rapport, flow, common purpose, safety, disclosure, assured trust, effective communication. There is a lot of complexity involved in being connected. For example, the word disclosure means the action of making new or secret information known about my reality. This chosen vulnerability creates connection and intimacy, which is into me, you see. A key thing to understand about connection is it's about the exchange of realities. My reality, my thoughts, my views, my feelings, my agendas, ideas, dreams, plans, choices, I share those things to a certain appropriate level with you, you do the same. So the better we know ourselves, the more self-aware we are, the more we trust ourselves, the better we are with sharing our reality with others to create those healthy connections. To own our own reality means that there is self-discipline in place in what and how we express our reality. So connection happens when there are appropriate levels of sharing with each person's reality. Connection on its own is not enough. We also need protection, safety, and discernment and verification. And we need to choose that this relationship is worth investing in to make the relationship thrive. So here it is, the connection piece, is there the protection piece? Is there and the investment piece? Is there and the three are working in together. So, the protection the word protection means a person or thing that prevents someone or something from suffering harm or injury. In creation, we have this amazing analogy of personal protection through our bodies working on a cellular level. It is called the some semib- I can never say this word, someibial membrane or reverse osmosis. In effect. In effect, it's a protective boundary. So on a cellular level, we have in the cell that it is programmed to live healthy and life, and in that cell, it will push out things that are are not very good, and then it will filter with a, a membrane around it. It will filter things wanting to come into that cell, and it will push them away if they're not healthy, or it will absorb them and let them in. So that's our outside world, right? Someone wanting to share their reality with us, well, we've got to filter to decide whether or not what they're sharing, what they, what, what they, what the sort of connection they want with us is. It going to be adding value and healthy for me, or is it going to be not? And so I find this on a prof- profound, that on a cellular level, that um that this protection is there. And the thing about protection and personal boundaries, for someone, if you're out there and you really struggle with personal and professional boundaries, you've got to understand that this tells me something about your beliefs. It tells me something about your level of self-esteem. It tells me something about your value. It tells me about something of your, the, the worth opinion you have of yourself. You see, we only ever protect what we love we and, and, and value. And for people who who come to me, like I shared with that guy in the podcast, number one, I mean, to me, the amount of oversharing and the amount of pushing on me his reality and then trying to force me to share the same level of reality was just so unhealthy. And I actually feel really sad for people. I really feel in my heart for people who struggle with personal boundaries because it tells me that they don't think they're really worth protecting. And so I role model to them how to do it and I will even explain myself sometimes to help them get access because I want them to value themselves. I want them to live from the inside out. I want to role model that for them. And so protection is a really amazing way. Sometimes just being silent and saying, I really hear that and just letting people talk and then looking at your watch and removing yourself when you need to. If it's getting too intense, that's the best thing you can actually do. The other analogy is obviously planet Earth is very, very valuable. And what does it have around it? It has an ozone layer around it. It has a protective membrane around it that stops bad things coming in and allows great things from, from, from happening there. So this is a whole big topic in itself, this whole area of personal and professional boundaries, and I encourage you to have a really good look into this yourself because they reckon it's around about 87% of dysfunctional relationships are directly correlated with the quality level of of a person's personal professional boundaries. So it's really food for thought there. You know, as a child, we learn this right up front, don't we, kids just say no. No is the first word children learn because it's about boundaries. They're communicating to us you know, that they are valuable, they are precious, they are important because that's the way we're born. We're born with full self-esteem. We're born without being messed up. We're born we're born confident. We're born knowing that we are priceless and valuable that. It's only as we go through life and get things stuffing us around and authority figures in our life tell us we're garbage or use us for the wrong reasons that we begin to have different opinions about ourselves that lower our sense of value. in in who we are you know to say no means to stop there it's something that's not right i need it needs to be filtered to say yes means come on into my life we need to practice being curious being discerning asking questions going back to that piece again about not judging but being really slowing the relationship down and just getting to know someone slowly please do that and you'll prevent yourself 90 percent of suffering in relationships i promise So as we can see, it builds on itself with connection and getting to know someone as we're protecting ourselves and their other person's protecting themselves, they're protecting their reality, I'm protecting my reality and we're choosing what we share and what we don't share and all that. And then of course, as that's forming and taking place, then we begin to move into this space of investment. And I know it's a business word, but I think it's a really, really good word for understanding Um, and asking some of the right questions about this about our relationships. Now this area grows as we go along in our relationship and build trust, this area of investment. We start to ask questions as the nature of a relationship. We get to know the person, we get to see what they're interested in, what their purpose is, what they like, what they don't like, what their struggles are, what their successes are and all that. And we begin to sort of look at this relationship and begin to discern and verify, is this a win-win relationship? Am I investing in them? Are they investing in me? Is this a two-way street? Is this a one-way street? is this a good deal for me? Or a bad deal for them? You know, is this individual person or is this group? You know, what, what, what's it like? Is is it good for me? Is it good for them? What are the results? What are the behaviors? What's sort of happening? And that's why I'm saying, please slow your relationships down. Be discerning. Be verifying. Don't be allowing your emotions just to run everything. Keep your brain and your heart in check and moving them together. All right, I want to talk about three practical tools now that will help you kind of put all this in play. We've talked about what I I mean by trusting yourself rather than trusting others. We've looked at some relationship dynamic problems. We've talked about some things that I've learned and you could probably add 10 different things to that of what you've learned. We could share together and be fantastic. But here are three things that I've found really helpful for me. So the first practical tool to help you trust yourself you know, live from the inside out so that you can be a trustworthy person and you can actually trust other people no matter how they're behaving. Number one, detach in love on page 238 of Melody Beattie's book, The Language of Letting Go. She says, she talks about detaching in relationships. When we first become exposed to the concept of detachment, many of us find it objectable and questionable. We may think that detaching means we don't care. We may believe that by controlling, worrying, or trying to force something to happen, we're showing how much we really care. We may believe that controlling, worrying, and forcing will somehow affect the outcome we desire. Controlling, worrying, and forcing don't work. Even when we're right, controlling doesn't work. In some cases, controlling may prevent the outcome of what we want from actually happening. As we practice the principle of detachment, with the people in our lives, we slowly begin to learn the truth, detaching, preferably detaching in love, in a relationship. In our relationship behaviors, works. We learn something else too. Detachment, letting go of our need to control people and situations, enhances all of our relationships. It opens the door to be the best, poss- for the best possible outcome. It reduces our frustration levels and frees us and the others to live in peace and harmony. Detachment means we care about ourselves and others. It frees us to make the best possible decision. It enables us to set the boundary we need to set with people. It allows us to feel, have our feelings, and to stop reacting and initiating a positive course of action. It encourages others to do the same, to have their feelings and to have their reactions It allows our higher power to step in and work. I mentioned in episode one a guy who was really oversharing with me, and I valued him a lot, and I gave him about 90 minutes of my time, and I started to look at my watch, and I decided to detach. I said to him, mate, I really gotta get going. You Take care, and I detached, and I detached in love. I didn't do it disrespectfully. But I tell you something, I promise you, that in 10 to 15 minutes at the starting of that conversation, if it had become really, really unhealthy, And if it was triggering me about some of my personal issues in a really big way, I would have looked at my watch. I would have even pretended that I got a phone call from my wife and I needed to go. Sometimes you just need to detach and get out of the situation because detachment means you're now going back to your own reality. You're taking self-control, you're looking at yourself and you're able to get the perspective that you need to then make the decisions. Often when we're in the midst of difficult relationships, it's very hard to make the right decisions. It's very hard not to get hooked in. It's very hard not to get... So this detaching in love, I encourage you, please look it up a bit more. It's an amazing recovery technique that helps us step back into our reality and own our own self and get self-control, it also encourages the other person to do the same. You know, the other person's problems are their problems at the end of the day and my problems are my problems. We can help each other solve them, but we do not want to be codependent in that process. This second one's a bit more strategic. So that detaching and love is a momentary thing that you can do, that you can practice in your life the second one is about setting appropriate boundaries with people in our lives and there's two keys here number key number one is this we choose where people are placed in our levels of connection not them let me say that again we choose it not them you know there's no excuses blood-related long-time friend a long-time colleague whatever we get to choose where people are placed in our life how close how distant where they are where they're not The second thing is, if people are regularly upsetting and hurting you, then they are in the wrong place in your life, push them out until they earn the right place in your life. So we're gonna have to use your imagination now, wherever you are walking along in your car, this is an exercise that I encourage you to do every six months and you've got to imagine it wherever you are right now, but if you are sitting down, I want you to get two bits of paper, two blank bits of paper a red pen and a blue pen. So on the first page, the first page with a blue pen, I want you to write down all the names of the people who are in your life. So I don't mean people that you don't see very often. I'm talking about if you see someone once a year, then they're kind of in your life. Anything more than that, well, they're not really in your life that much. So if there's someone you see every week, every fortnight, every month, once a year, those people are deemed in your life. And what I want you to do is write just a list, just brainstorm all of them from really close people to to work colleagues, to who, whoever it be. Once you've done that, you know the people that are in your life. Then on the second page, you want to draw five circles within each other. And let me try and explain this now. So you've got five circles and what you've got to understand is that we're gonna put every one of those names into one of those circles. So make sure the circles are big enough to fill the whole page so that you can actually put every person's name into those five circles. And the middle circle, so put the middle circle right in the middle of the page and, and that circle says core. Then a circle around that circle which says committed. Then a circle around that circle that says connected. The next circle out is is our community. And the next circle out is crowd. So core, committed, connected, community, crowd. Five circles on your page, big enough to fit all those uh, people there. So before you start putting people's names in the circles, let me explain what what each one of these circles really means. Your core, is 85% connection, 15% protection, 85% investment. See how that works? So someone knows 85% of your reality. They know a lot about you, your dreams, your fears, your passions, your interests, some of your struggles, some of your successes. They know your giftings, your abilities, you know, your worldview on a lot of things. They know 85% of you. And so it stands to reason that there shouldn't be that many people in that space. Normally, a handful of people in that space is really important. They have fifteen percent protection, so there's fifteen percent of you that they don't know. And let's be honest, as you know, that even comes into play with ourselves. We don't. There's a lot of myself that I'm still learning and knowing about, and and because I'm a person of faith, I know God knows a hundred percent of me and. That, that that's very helpful for, for what I believe. And then there's 85% investment. So basically those people in your life, they invest in you 85%, you invest in them. So that's the equation. As I go through, you'll get understanding what I mean. So committed is now 70%. So 70% connected, 30% protect, protected, and 70% invested. Okay, connected is 50% connection 50% protect protection 50% invested when you get out to the community it's really only 20% 20% connection 80% 80% protection, 20% investment, and then when you go out to the crowd, it's more like 10%, 10% connection, very superficial conversations to start with, 90% protection, like I spoke about, people have to earn the right to go through the different circles, and there's obviously only about 10% of investment there. You're not really invested in people's lives. So just think about that when you're putting those people in the different circles. Then once you've done that, once with the blue pen, you've put all those people. The first step you want to do is you want to do it the way it is right now. You've got to actually think about reality and say, where are these people in my life? And you put them down there. The red pen then is for the second part of it, where you come back and you ask yourself, well, did I choose for those people to be in those places in my life? Or have they thrust themselves in there through whatever reason? And is that person being in that particular circle in my life, is that helpful for me? Is that helpful for them? If any of, one of the names in one of those circles, you're looking at that name and it stands out and you, you, you're saying to yourself, yeah, I'm regularly upset and hurt by that person, then they are in the wrong circle and you need to push them out. Now, a key thing to understand about this is, you are the one who chooses where people are in your circle and you're allowed to push them out. So use the red pen, grab an arrow, and push that person into that circle you want them to go into. It can also work the other way. If you're feeling like there's a couple of people in your life that you want to bring from the connected, you know, and you want to bring them into your into into your um into your committed group where your closer group much closer group of friends, then you put an arrow and bring them in. Either way, there's got to be a piece of communication. One of the things we need to understand about any boundary work is that somehow, somewhere, we do have to communicate it to people because people will feel like something has changed in the dynamic of the relationship. It's not always a tangible thing, but it's definitely an intangible thing. So for example, with some people, I've had to push them out of talking about a particular thing in my life. That's been unhelpful. And I will say to them, I'll say, Matt, I've noticed that you don't talk to me about that anymore. I'll say, that's cool. I've got a mentor that I talk to. I talk to my wife and I give this stuff to God as well. I'm going pretty well in that area. And I'll say, so please don't worry about it. It's all good. And they'll go, oh, no worries. No worries. Well, if you do want to talk to me about it, Matt, then fine. i go, no worries, of course. And that's just as clear, as clear as that. Very, very simple. So I think that exercise is really awesome. Like I said, you should do that every six months. The last mindset and practice that I wanna share with you is an evidence-based practice that has been established in the child protection space by uh, authors Davies and and It's called Working in Partnership. And what they talk about, they talk about power over characteristics as, a, as opposed to power with characteristics. This is such a massive deal in our relationships. You know, when it comes to trusting ourselves to trust others, if you're a power over person where you see relationships in a hierarchical way, where you're the boss, you know, if in a workplace, you love to be called that. Or, you know, if you're someone in your personal relationships where you have a bit of a messiah complex, you're a power over person. And I need you to use your imagination again here because I'm going to read two columns out. The first column is the power over characteristics and it's made up of coercion, knowing what is best for someone else, telling someone what is wrong with them all the time, telling someone what to do and how to do it, labelling someone, excluding someone from decision making, limiting self-determination. Now that is a power over and there's a lot more that can go into that column. But just for time, you get the idea it is a power over someone else. And it comes out of massive insecurity. It comes out of people who feel like they don't have a lot of control. So they've got to use all sorts of um, power games to get over the top of another person, to control them, tell them what to do. Um, And it's just a really unhelpful relationship dynamic, which breaks trust with yourself because you're not doing the work you need to do to be secure and and, and, and um, you know working through your insecurities. And on the other hand, it it's not helpful for other people either. It doesn't mature anyone in that dynamic. But the power with characteristic is consultation and collaboration. People know themselves better than anyone else. No one can really know how someone else feels. People know best what helps them change and what does not. Respect for uniqueness and diversity. People make sense of their experience in their own way. Respect for the right to self-determination. Now that's a really maturing way of doing relationships. It builds trust for yourself and trust for others. Everything that we talked about today are practices, techniques, and paradigms. We have to put them into practice. The more we practice these things, The better we progress, the more we improve. The prouder we are when we look in the mirror and the more we can add value to the people around us that we love. Until next time, I'm always cheering you on. Take good care of yourself. Bye for now. Thanks for being here today. If you would like to get in touch and find out a bit more about me and what I do, please visit levelnextleadership.com. Until next time, I'm cheering you on.